I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Are you, did you take all that? Is that all on tape, what I just said? I mean, don't use that shit I just talked about. Lyndon McIntyre is a pretty big deal, wouldn't you say? One of the most respected journalists in Canada, right? Investigative journalist, host of the Fifth Estate, one of the hosts of the Fifth Estate, broke countless stories, novelist, and a lot of prizes and awards, like big ones, the Peabody, the Giller. He actually launched a successful legal challenge before the Supreme Court of Canada uh, that had to do with getting access to affidavits and public documents and search warrants. This is something that journalists rely on today. He was a part of the journal during its heyday. Look him up on Wikipedia if you want the whole thing. There's a lot. I think it's pretty much unnecessary. Anyone who's paying attention knows that Lyndon McIntyre is the best the CBC has. And as you may know, he's out the door. Uh, Lyndon McIntyre announced his departure from the CBC in the wake of the budget cuts, said he's doing it to save jobs, said he's doing it to make a point. I want to find out what that point is. He's going to be on the show in a minute. (laughs) 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world, and uh, it's available here in Canada. And this time of year, we're all emerging from our, our winter like seclusion and uh, you know patio season and, and socializing, and it can be terrifically fun, but it can also create a lot of pressure. And some people get like anxiety, social anxiety from being out too much. What did Iggy Pop say about social life? It's torture dressed as fun. It doesn't need to be torture. I think it's just about finding like the right balance uh, of, of how much of other people do you want? I mean, we need each other, but I think that at a certain point it can become overwhelming and talking to somebody about yourself, about your social life, about your relationships um, is a way of gaining insight into what is right for you. It's not selfish to examine that with a professional. And as the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Listeners of the show get 10% off of their first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's Better H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand. There are over 150,000 audiobook titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And for you, the listeners of CanadaLand, I want to make the following suggestion. You've got one free audiobook waiting for you at audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand. Why not download the first Game of Thrones book? It's 33 hours long. Now, last week, I told you about a really short audiobook you might want. Postman Always Rings Twice. Great entertainment on a road trip. If you want to try out audiobooks but don't want to put in the big-time commitment, I'm going the other way this week. How to maximize your value of your free audiobook download. It'll keep you entertained for as long as the actual entire TV series so far, almost. And you can get it for free at audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand. Do it now. Um... So you, you're, you're leaving the CBC for a couple of reasons you stated. One is yeah. to uh, free up some resources for younger journalists. The other reason that I read is to send a message. Who's that message for? It's to the same group, but one group uh, is a fairly uh, paranoid, demoralized group of people who work within the CBC – and then the other is the larger community. Yeah, to the public. Uh, the, the people who own the CBC. Uh-huh. And the CBC is becoming extremely, extremely good at just gutting it out. You know, you get a cut, you get a, you get a market problem, you get all these things 
cramping your financial ability to do what parliament and the law instruct you to do. And you know that, I mean, the, the public has been so brainwashed and it's billion dollars, public funding, all that stuff, uh, CBC, big fat corporation. And there's a kind of a reluctance to go out and say, look, we're getting cut, we're getting hurt. We ha- we're. So the message is kind of lost that, okay, another $130 million shortfall, uh, budget cut, all the rest of it. 657 people losing their jobs. You know, Tim Hudak wants to eliminate 100,000 public service jobs. It's hard, it's hard to get people excited about about 657 jobs at the big fat CBC. And it's it's old news because it just keeps happening. So it's just, it's, you know, and it's old it's old news and it just keeps happening. And you know, CBC people will say, well, "Why speak out?" You know, Stephen Harper prorogued Parliament twice, <laughs> and they gave him a majority. Yeah. Uh, CB, you know, Steve, Stephen Harper and his government don't like the CBC, and the CBC has got some difficulty. That can be attributed to that. You expect people to sing the blues? The whole media world is is in, in distress yeah. because of the breakdown of the business model and a whole lot of other stuff. So my my message was primarily to a whole bunch of people in the CBC who are worried. The cuts are insidious. It's it's not just 657 positions targeted. Got to, there's a distinction. These are they're going to eliminate 657 positions, and there are 657 people in those positions. There's more than that. We can you well, count all well, the contractors and it, casual. Well, everyone I knew yeah, didn't have well, a position. Worked there, didn't have a position. The, 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 the fear factor. Yeah. A lot of the people in the 657 positions have senior union seniority, so they can bump down into other positions. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of – there's probably 657 positions that have not been affected, but the people in those positions are terrified that somebody more senior is going to – and it works its way down the food chain until it usually – uh, it, it settles in the in what I consider to be the, the most uh, the most interesting part of the workforce, which is these young, energetic, educated, smart people who have come in to a a, a business like journalism and and a and a, a corporation like the CBC, a, pu- a public corporation. With fire in their bellies, you know they they want to be the they want to be they want to become what I did. They want to do what I did. They want to they want to just sort of like make a difference. They mm-hmm. say, and and they're there full of this piss and vinegar, and uh, and and they're all terrified of just what lies ahead of them. Yeah. So I wanted to send out a little message to those people. Uh, I want to make. Do one small thing. It's really, I can do it. I'm not going to starve to death. Uh, I'm going to do it because you guys got something I don't have. I got all these years of experience. I've learned how to do stuff. But you got something I don't have, and that's potential. Mm -hmm. My potential is fully used. We'll see. Well, I mean, I can work. Yeah. But – to develop and to grow uh, within the organization as an investigative the organization, journalist, as a host of the Fifth Estate, you've had a hell of a run. Yeah. I've had a great run. I've had thirty-eight years at the CBC, twenty-four years at the Fifth Estate, fifty years in journalism. There's also a message to the public because you are somebody yeah. unlike the other, and you've talked about this. Unlike those other six hundred odd people who might be anonymous to the public, we know who you are. Yeah. And, and, and I, there's a loss that's felt then, right? And, and I want to say, uh, just because I'm familiar 
uh, recognizable doesn't make me any more important. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do what I'd been doing without all these other people. People you never heard of in your life, you know. Some yeah. of them are just fresh into the outfit. Some of them have been around for a long time. They're producers. They're associate producers, crews, camera editors. You know, all these people. Like I, I, I couldn't do a thing without all those people. So you got to be aware that there's a when six six hundred and fifty seven people means uh, a loss to what the work that you might know about. Sure even if you don't know the people. And I take it this is not a symbolic gesture. What you're saying is, hey, if you give a damn about the CBC, we're dying over here. Well, we're dying over here. And even then, I mean, I don't even, like, I don't even want to go there because everybody in the media is, is struggling. Mm -hmm. The difference at the CBC is that the struggle started 30 years ago when things were pretty okay in the media. It started with Brian Mulroney and his desire to kind of like rein in this organization. And it did need some discipline. It did need some new work practices and economies. Why? What was wrong? Well, it was just, you know, uh, it was big and, and, and it was uh, sort of taking life for granted. We've taken its budget allocation. Just what happens with bureaucracy. It's what happens with bureaucracy. And so along comes uh, a hostile federal government. I mean, they've always been hostile. I mm -hmm. remember I was a young guy in the press gallery in Ottawa in the 60s, and I can remember sitting there working for a newspaper, sitting in the gallery listening to politicians tearing away at the CBC for avant-garde, vulgar, obscene programming and waste. And <laughs> I haven't heard that complaint in a while. The waste you hear. The waste. Yeah. Avant-garde oh, vulgar no, programming. It, it, was, it was a big issue back uh -huh. then. And uh, so anyway, uh, for 30 years, we've been dealing with this progression of, of, of cuts, yeah. this growing hostility. It kind of reached a, a critical point under Chrétien. I'm not, I know it's not all a Tory thing. Chrétien came in with a big beef about the CBC. Sure. And he's, it, when they were cutting the budget to, to balance the books in 1995, they took a whack at the CBC. You might say it's to the CBC's credit if politicians from various parties yeah. all consider them to yeah. be a, and, you an know, affliction. If Tom Mulcair forms a government, I'm not going to sit back and say, you know what? The, a new yeah. world order happening here? No, he'll he'll find reasons not to like us. Sure, because it's our our job at the CBC is is to be a sort of a a constant uh, use the big word as a place for accountability. We you know we 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 try our best. The relationship to power is adversarial by nature. It's adversarial by nature, exactly. The message is to your younger colleagues. The message is to the public. Is the message to the CBC, to the higher-ups, to the brass? The yeah, the message is to the higher-ups is uh, you got to do something like this. You don't necessarily have to quit and <laughs> go on your, down on your sword, uh, but it wouldn't do any harm. I'm not going to sit here and name the names of people who might make a pretty powerful statement by doing something like that. How can Hubert Lacroix keep his job at this point? Well, Hubert, that's a good question. Um, Hubert could go down on his sword, but then they, you know, Stephen Harper would just replace another Hubert. He he, he put Hubert in there. Yeah, and uh, and Hubert is 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 in a, is in an he's got the worst job in Canada in many ways. He he's got a hostile employer, the, the you know the Parliament of Canada dominated by these Tories. He's got a hostile now after eight years of Tory government. He's got a hostile board of directors. The whole board of directors has been sort mm -hmm. of re, rebuilt. And, and he's got a diminished uh, team underneath him. 
and people desperately trying to do what they can with the with the resources available and and he's got a, a parliamentary a legislative mandate that was def- that was drawn up in 1991 to deliver this 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 and this to to this massive landmass and facing this dire situation that he stepped into some years ago he did what 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 is the bold vision? What what I mean, he he stepped into an environment that everybody knew yeah. the internet was just completely radically changing yeah. everything. He he got sideswiped by the loss of the hockey rights. He did a, a costly news renewal mm-hmm. program while he's actually laying off journalists. Yeah. So the look of it got got yeah. a, a makeover, while the actual substance of it was gutted. So it seems like he's driven the thing off a cliff. Well, let me, let me let me say. I'll say one nice thing about Hubert. All right. I mean, he's a very bright guy. Uh, he's uh, extremely intelligent, awfully rational. The problem is he was hired, he, his background is in labor law, labor lawyer. CBC had a labor management mess. And I think Hubert came in there with the priority, I'm going to sort that out so we'll never have another one of these awful lockouts. We're never going to have brinksmanship in negotiating collective agreements. And he did. Mm-hmm. He transformed it almost to a fault because it's, you, you now have a situation where there's very little tension in yeah. CBC. But all this other stuff piled up around him and, and I think he's scrambling to find out what to do about it, but and he doesn't know. Yeah. And, and – it's going to take an enormous leap to to grab this and sort it out according to strict, you know, well-informed and pragmatic terms. Uh, the CBC, he knows this. He says this all the time. He says CBC can't be everything to everybody. Okay, we know that. Yeah. But but he he says then he says, but I'm obliged by legislation to try. And until they change the legislation, this is what I got to do. I got to keep watering the wine down until it's insipid. And is that like accurate? If he were to announce some bold vision, you know, like I was a little bit heartened when he said, okay, we're not going to chase after, you know, big pro sports anymore, but we are going after the Olympics. What level of uh, trust or faith do you have at this point that he's going to say, okay, I've given this some thought. Now I've got a plan. It's it's what everyone's waiting for is this is what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of television, what Jeffrey Dworkin suggested, or we're going to get rid of advertising on TV. We're going to make it all like PBS, something. We're going to get out of the scripted TV game, like some large area that they have not been doing well at, leave that and focus on what they do best. But instead, we get this line from him that, well, no, I got to do that. And I got to do this. The mandate demands it. If he were to refine that mandate and interpret it a little bit differently, would somebody come and and, and stop him from doing that? I mean, is there anyone stopping the CBC from actually radically transforming? I think that the only thing that's stopping him is that he, he doesn't discern, and maybe it's because it's not there, he doesn't discern a clear message from Canadians yeah. what they want. Everybody seems to be, there seems to be a consensus that we want CBC Radio 1 and 2. And Two I'm not so sure about. And, well, yeah, well, we could argue about that. I, I like the music. And, uh, but where the big problem is, is English television. Yeah. And English television has become indistinguishable from the other television networks yeah. largely because uh, of the this obsession with ratings, ob- obsession with, with sort of competing, who's got the best national newscast of the evening, who's got the most viewers. Yeah. And uh, and I say this is this I go back to Hubert Lacroix. We had a coffee some years ago. I, I don't talk to him very often, but we had a coffee once. And he said something to me that should be – driving his 
effort right now. He said, and I'm talking about news. He says, when I sit down in Quebec to watch the news at 10 o'clock, I'm not sitting down to find out what's happening because I already know what happened. By 10 o'clock at night, if you care at all, you know what's yes. happening. <laughs> so You're right. That's a guiding principle for yeah, how to do it. So you, yeah. you sit down at 10 o'clock to find out more about what's happening, more depth, more context, more analysis, intelligent kind of interpretation of what's happening and why you should care. About to what. find out what you might have found yeah. on the journal years ago. So Exactly. So we should, instead of throwing the journal out... Yeah. And uh, having just this whole hour of, of snippets with, with a, maybe a big chunk of a Peter Mansbridge panel in the middle to have a conversation among insiders, I think we should have the whole journal package for the whole hour. You have long, informed interviews, some panels, and you have long-form journalism to explain what's going on in Ukraine, long-form journalism mm-hmm. going on in Serbia, was in, in, in Nigeria. I mean, there's all kinds of places. And this is a country f- chock-a-block with people who, who care about the world because they come from other parts sure. of the world. And to the question, you know, people are getting the news all day as it happens. They're yeah. getting it from Twitter, like breaking oh, news on the phones. So what can, what can the CBC do that nobody else can? To do that kind of high production value, highly intelligent, thoughtful. I mean, the, the um, disappearance of documentaries from your TV hours is a travesty. It is. So I agree. I mean, that's something that if the CBC were to do it, Nobody else is doing that. You would own that. I mean, there's there's a lot of plans out there that make a lot of sense, but we're not hearing that from. Well, there's 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 one thing that we could do, and we could afford to do it. Yeah. And we have the skills, and we have the expertise, and the history doing, and that's information programming. We just have to say, okay, what kind of information do the people want? Mm -hmm. I know what they want because I've been doing it for so long, and I'm talking to people all the time. I'm a TTC strap hanger. I'm talking to people all the time. I know what they want. They want good, solid information that tells them more than they're getting off of the, the, the tablet. Yeah. I don't know why we go entirely out of sports. I don't know why we're interested in the big, glamour things. We, let's uh, confine our sports to, to local sports. Sure. Uh, community sports, uh, amateur sports, stuff like that, as much as we can afford to do. But we've got to decide where we're going to start. And, and uh, I say, let's, let's go with our strength. Our strength is information gathering and analysis and context. And revamp the national at 10 o'clock, revamp a bunch of our programs. I think radio does a pretty good job given the poverty of the, of the service, you know, with, with as it happens and, and the current and, and ideas and, and a lot of very interesting information programming. It's being cut beyond the bone. I mean, we're at Merrill oh, now. You know, the CBC radio, if, if, the, if the people knew how how they how they they claw their way through the day. Oh, you got shows with like two people making the yeah. show. You know? Yeah, you got a Tapestry now, which is a, it's a program that a lot of people yeah. want. And I think it's one person and a part-timer or something like that. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it, is a, it is getting down to it's almost like, yeah. impossible. It's like lower than college radio kind of resources. It, well, it's, that's sort of where we're heading. Yeah. I got a piece in the post this weekend that essentially says that there are two CBCs and uh, you're speaking from the point of view of one of them. And that seems to me the public broadcaster CBC, the idea of that there's a commons, that there's a public conversation. You know, I think that there's kind of like a core competency thing there mm-hmm. to report the news, to investigate the news and to provide some kind of a discussion. And then somewhere after that comes like a cultural kind of a, there's a whole other CBC, which is about eyeballs and about emulating commercial broadcasters. Mm -hmm. And that CBC has been running things. Mm -hmm. 
So what's going to change that? And, and, and it seems like no level of failure from that reigning CBC is displacing their, their hold on the place. So you're doing something that is at least attracting attention to that disparity. Mm-hmm. Is it going to turn things around? And if not, what would? Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the message uh, – I was on, on a private radio station uh, earlier this week and uh, the, the host, the interviewer says, why should the listeners of CJAD care about what's going on at the CBC? Yeah. And I said, well, you just kind of defined the reason in the question because the people who listen to CJAD are listeners. People who listen to or watch the CBC are owners. Yeah. And people got to start saying, we are the owners – of that thing. Successive governments and politicians have created this mythology that it is a government enterprise of some kind. Sun Media has gone next step and called us a state broadcaster, which makes you just want to go down there and punch somebody (laughs) out. The the, the truth of the matter is it's a public institution accountable to parliament owned by the people and a service to the people. A lot of people at CBC, and I've had these arguments with old journalists, oh, don't you dare call me a public servant. We are public servants. We provide a public service, and what's to be ashamed of? We were founded to provide a public service that nobody else was providing. But your argument about that is not with the public. It's with your fellow CBCers. Yeah, but the public's got to get in there, and, and the public's got to start, there's got to be a, a mind shift here, uh, people got to start seeing it as theirs. Yeah. And people got to uh, grab onto the notion that it's got to do what we want it to do. It can no longer be left to, 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 to a government like the Harper government to define what it can do by, simply by controlling the purse strings. Yeah. It can no longer be left to Hubert Lacroix, who is a limited individual given the magnitude of, of what has to be done and a few people that you never heard of around him to, to redefine what it's doing. People got to get in there and say, it's ours, sell it, <laughs> get kill it because we don't need it anymore. We got everything else. Or on the other hand, Turn it into something that's going to deliver what we want and what we need. Something has to happen. But that first step of, of letting people know it's yours, is yeah. that seems to be the hurdle in a lot of ways. People yes, that, that, a lot of people and, don't and, feel – I mean, and, when I turn it on and I see a reality show, you know, or a lot of the stuff that I, that mm-hmm. I see on there, I, I don't feel any sense of ownership. Yeah, of course. But if you, if, you were, if you were watching, you know, the, 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 the National Art Center Symphony yeah. on Thursday night, you'd say, well, that's different. Sure. Uh, when when uh, Chris Haddock in Vancouver was producing, you know, Da Vinci's Inquest and Intelligence, you knew, wow. The only thing you might – did that come from the BBC? No, the accents are Canadian. Yeah. It's a Canadian story. It's Vancouver. And they, we kill that because well, – pe- pe- Yeah, people feel that way about Radio 1. Even when I'm frustrated and I get very frustrated with Radio 1, I do feel like this has got to be better because it's mine. It owes yeah. me a service. You know? like it's, and Indeed. I don't feel that way the same way about and, – And you know, when I first went into t- CBC, Radio 1 uh, was struggling along. I worked there for a while. You know, you get a little share here and a little share there because a lot of – privately owned radio was doing a lot of stuff like yeah. documentaries and news and and they were actually in the information business as opposed to just music. Mm-hmm. Well, over time, they've got out of that and in, and the CBC, you can just see you know, the CBC is taking over markets in the mornings, it's taking over markets in the evenings. Yeah, Radio 1 is doing wonderfully. Radio 1 is doing fantastic. Television's got to pick up from that and say, we're going to have to do something different, and we're going to, but we're going to have to deliver something that people want. Yeah. You're, you're, you're married to Karoloff. I am. Yours is a CBC family. 
I, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I mean, I, I, look, I've been the CBC family since 1965 when I discovered Max Ferguson doing a little skit in the morning after the after the morning newscast on radio. Yeah. I, ever, ever since I, I got hooked on, on the evening television. I've been the CBC family since I was in my 20s. Yes, now we there's three of us uh, employed there and have been for quite some time. But I think everybody... Has to potentially be a CBC family. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. That there's no special status because your family happens to work right. there. But I've known a number of families where, where you know, and this is also has to do with journalists just always, you know, mm-hmm. breeding with each other. But uh, a lot of families where both partners worked at the CBC mm-hmm. or, or there are multiple generations of people. Mm-hmm. The, the kind of values that you're talking about, and not just for people who work there, but for the country, are it almost seems quaint. And a, a, a cynic would, would, you know, do people even think this way anymore? Mm-hmm. That we have this sort of this commons and that we we, we collect own this broadcaster. But I, I know from experience that there are people f- for whom those values are, are very real and very heartfelt within the organization for whom it's it's sort of in their DNA. They care deeply about the place. And when I entered the building, it was intoxicating. There was a sense of purpose about it. When you have conversations about principles. <laughs> yeah. It was a special place where that actually happened, yeah. you know? And, and uh, there, is a, there is an awareness and it's it's been acute recently. I, I remember when I worked at the Journal, which was a, arguably the most popular TV show in the country for a few years. Starowitz would slap you down if you ever asked how big was the audience for my piece last night. We don't care about your audience for your piece. The piece was good. Everybody who matters watched it. Okay. Nowadays, uh, you, you, like people are just clawing to get at the audience numbers for sure. the last fifth estate or the last marketplace or whatever to abs- to sort of bestow some kind of legitimacy on what you did. And I come from a whole tradition where the legitimacy is in the production and the delivery of it and, and the quality of the product as opposed to the bizarre and uh, unreliable approval uh, of, of, of a, a number that comes out of a place I don't understand. Yes, Fifth Estate does programs that are not normally attractive to the kinds of people that are stuck at home at 9 o'clock on Friday night, which is where they put us. And I'm constantly stopped on the street by young people I, and middle-aged and all kinds of people. I know you're not sitting home Friday night watching the Fifth Estate. But the Fifth Estate is evaluated within the CBC by the number of people that sat home on Friday night and recorded some kind of a people meter rating. And then that is compared on an apples-to-apples basis with how many people watch Battles of the Blade. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah, as exactly. if that's, that's what exactly. the CBC is producing yeah. is, is just eyeballs. Yeah. Or the attention of those eyeballs for for an hour at a time. We had we had a, a wonderful audience on on Wednesday nights at nine o'clock, and uh, the manager at the time, the vice president at the time, decided she had a uh, a new uh, sitcom drama thing coming along, and she thought that our spot would be would be a better launch place for this new thing that was going to make uh-huh. her look like a, a genius. Do you remember what it was? I can't even remember what it was. My I guess is nobody does. No, it's gone. It's gone. And of course, the audience was not transferable. Yeah. You you don't take an audience that watches <laughs> The Fifth Estate and move them over to watch uh, Being Erica or whatever it was. If you enjoy The Fifth Estate, maybe we suggest yeah, you might but, also enjoy Being yeah. Erica. Not so much. Not so much. Uh-huh. So that's gone. We're still there limping through the Friday night thing because there are so many other places to watch us. 
and uh, people are people are watching us on a computer. People are watching us on their tablets. People are finding us on the internet and on the various repeat programs we have. So uh, people will find a program they like and. Thank God they like the Fifth Estate because the Fifth Estate does something that not very many places do anymore. Yeah. The people who are making these decisions, these executives of the CBC and the, the faces change, uh, they're not public broadcasters. A lot of them come from private broadcasting. Mm-hmm. A lot of them come from – I think your current uh, – Heather Conway comes from like the banking world or something. Heather, like yeah. Interesting you know, mentioned Heather Conway. She, she's one of the first executive vice presidents in a long time who actually – talk, credibly talks about the principle of public broadcasting. I find that interesting. I think uh-huh. she's very plugged into the the uh, the public sector. She goes away. But I, I work with a couple of people who knew her when she was very young as a parliamentary page or something like that. And, and she's always had this thing. And she's partner with, with a very prominent Canadian person in the arts, uh, Patricia Rosema. Okay. Uh, a filmmaker. And, uh, you know, I think she has it in her marrow. And that she came to work at the fifth at the CBC not just because it was a great corporate career move, but because I think she wants to do something. She uh, told the Globe and Mail she wants to put more product placement on the air. Wants well, to she put might more, want to. She might want to do. I don't know more low cost reality shows. Uh, um, no more low low cost reality. She says she doesn't want any more shiny floor uh-huh. spectacles, which uh, I like that idea. Maybe and, Simon misquoted her then. Yeah. So you know, and and she does. She loves radio. She listens to radio, and she's constantly speaking to radio in a way that nobody's done since Denise Donlan was there. Yeah. Denise was a great champion of of everything public. But uh, Sturzberg came to the radio news floor when I was there and said, "You guys are doing great. We're not going to touch you." Yeah, that didn't work out so well. No, it didn't work out so well because it's interesting. You know, Sturzberg's I, I, years and years ago, Sturzberg's father and I sort of were in. Not in the same organization, but we were on the Hill together in Parliament. He was an old newsman, one of those old war correspondents with uh-huh. Matthew Halton and all those, you know, famous Canadian journalists. And uh, Sturzberg uh, comes down as a guy who would turn the CBC into another primarily entertainment medium. Uh, he believes that we we got to be popular, and the only way to be popular is to give people what. Everybody else has given them, you know, what Hollywood has given them and what CTV sure. and Global are giving them. Which would have been one thing if he actually could deliver that. Well, if would be, well, first of all, yeah. Why would we go down to Hollywood and buy stuff when everybody else is doing it? And we can't afford to produce stuff of a similar quality and, and similar sex appeal. Yeah. And and why would we? Yeah. Why would we? But hasn't that been – that Sturzberg vision was not that different from Christine Stewart's vision. Well, Christine Christine was uh, – he pointed her. Yeah. And, uh, and I think they shared that same vision. I think she evolved in the job, but it, she never really quite got to the same place that I think Heather Conway is at coming in there. Yeah. I don't want to sound like some kind of an apologist for senior management, but I, you know, but I, don't, I also want to be fair uh, that there are a whole lot of people in there that uh, – uh, that are that are struggling to, uh, and I don't have to be nice to them anymore. Yeah, but they they are struggling to to come to terms with a lot of the stuff we're talking about, but within the constraints 
that tie their hands and limit their maneuverability. Those constraints, though, are not just the mandate, I would argue. I, I think that it's true. You know, this idea, yeah. all the executives are fools. It, it, no, there's some wonderful ideas there, and there's some people who really value this yeah. stuff. But it is labyrinthine, and they can't get their act together, and the internal yeah. politics seem to hamstring them. So That's for true. just somebody to come and say, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, this is what we're going to do. We're getting rid of that. We're keeping this. We're going to yeah. be great at this. Yeah. And to your earlier point, LaCroix is trying to figure out what do Canadians expect from this thing? What do they want? I was there when the Magid news consultants came and they said, I don't know how much money they spent, but they did a, a survey of all Canadians. What did people say when we say CBC? News. I mean, the answer is right there. Yeah. And then, but then they go the next step and they say, well, what do they mean by news? Well, they mean, and then they completely cheapened yeah. the product. News is crime and potholes and traffic reports and the weather. Fires. Fires. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's this, I, I came up with a word, Fearism. Yeah, uh, we've been living with that since 2001. Politicians and marketers discovered after 2001. Wow, people really pay attention and do what they're told when they're scared to death. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen this ever since then. Scare people to death, keep them nervous about stuff, and keep reporting to them. Well, it's. It's not safe to go here or it's safe to go there or you better batten down the hatches because there's a big storm coming or it, it really undersells the intelligence of most of the people that are interested in what's happening. Yeah. And it is alienating people from uh, popular media like the CBC, and, and which is a shame because we don't – we shouldn't have to do it. We should have never have allowed Maggot anywhere near the property. Mm -hmm. uh, Maggot has, has transformed newsrooms into just – Places where the principal product is trivia, uh, cats up trees, fires and accidents and bad weather. And bright, I can name a couple and I'm not going to, but I know of bright young journalists that had reached a level of development just poised to become that next generation of, of, of Halton and Schlesinger and Brian yep. Stewart and that whole crowd. They bailed. Oh, I saw it happen. I knew a, a lot of young people who were, you know, they had to fight to get there. They had to excel from where they're coming from, the universities. Mm -hmm. And they were, some of them were the, the bright young things of the current. And they're not there anymore. No, they're not there anymore because the serious people that want, I, I'm amazed there are as many as there, but they're all trying to get into the fifth yeah. state. Uh, and they're all trying to get on a marketplace. They're all trying to get into places where they can get their teeth into big things. I think local news has to really take a hard look at what it does before mm -hmm. it becomes trivialized right into irrelevance. You know, I, I, uh, I read about your departure, your decision. I actually felt ambivalent. I mean, on the one hand, my, my, I think my initial reaction was I thought it was a terrifically noble gesture. and I, I thought that the mythology, the mantra, which is like every time there's cuts, well, we're just going to have to do more with mm -hmm. less, which is a terrific insult mm -hmm. to the people who are getting sliced. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a great journalist. We're sorry to let you go, but we're actually going to do more without you. Yeah. But you actually do less with less. And when you, when you get rid of journalists, it comes at the expense of the CBC's journalism. So I thought that to, to put a face to that felt really meaningful to me. And I thought, well, bravo. Somebody's, somebody's made that gesture. And then I also thought, you're 70 years old. You know, 70-year-old dudes are supposed to retire so that young people mm -hmm. can have jobs. That's not news. That's what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. 
Depends on the 70-year-old dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if this was 60 Minutes, I'd have 20 more years of, of productivity. Right, editing. right, right. I mean, nobody in that show ever goes until they're 90. <laughs> uh, I got, um, mercifully, uh, good genes. Uh, my mother is still living in her own house at 97. Uh-huh. And uh, I got a lot of years that I could have done the job at the Fifth Estate. I mean, it's... It, this is this is not an issue. I think you're just at your stride. I don't think there's any. There's, no, I, I, you know, I can do. I do the job, and and I and I have a role there in yeah. which I'm kind of like a an elder, and that's important. And and the, but I had to sit down and do a pragmatic calculation. I found out by asking questions that we are going to take a hit. Yeah, the show is going to take a hit. A position or two will go. Yeah, and I just sort of did a, a kind of an inventory, and I said, what position? could be eliminated with the least peril to the outfit. Yeah. And I looked, four hosts. We have the best crop of hosts I think the show has ever had, four people. And uh, maybe they're not all as famous as Adrian Clarkson and Eric Malling, but they are as good if, or not, if, and, or better. That's a lot of hosts. That's a lot of hosts, four hosts. So I said to myself, we can get rid of three hosts. We yeah. get rid of one and work with three, save the producer's positions, and save the, particularly the associate producer's, producer position. I know that CBC salaries are a touchy subject these days, yeah. but, uh, but the truth is you can keep two, three, yeah. four people yeah. for on, somebody on, like on you. A ho- on a host salary. Yeah. Notwithstanding that poor Peter Mansbridge only makes <laughs> – 80 a year. I mean, now I feel bad about the whole you, speaking fee. Now you could yeah. have three Peter Mansbridges for a McIntyre or somebody like that. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, the the bottom the bottom line is I can cut a, a, a large, you know, relatively large salary. I, we, we're not on the American scale of, of of magnitude, but you can cut a significant salary uh, by and one position and save one or two other positions and make a statement at the same time to the CBC and to the people that are watching. By the way, just because you don't know folks, folks are disappearing. I'm one that you know. Yeah. Uh, but just think of it as, as I'm just the tip of the iceberg. And uh, But pragmatically, the show will get along just fine with, with three excellent hosts. All experienced journalists have worked all over the world. And and are good at st- telling stories, and uh, my absence. Uh, there's a certain nostalgic uh, cost. There's just a lot of people saying, "Oh, we're going to miss you." Of course, you're going to miss me. I might get hit by a bus going back from here to there, and uh, they're going to miss me sooner or later. They're going to miss me. Seventy is just a, a number. Lyndon, I want you to to listen closely because I got some wisdom for you. I uh, I think I may have some experience on you in this department, and uh, you can take it from me. There's life after the CBC. Uh, I think your best work is ahead of you. Thank you, Jesse. Oh, that was pretty cool. I'm really glad I got a chance to talk to him. I hope you liked that. That was your Canada Land show. Email me. I read them all. I respond when I can. Jesse at jessebrown.ca. I am on Twitter at jessebrown. The website is canadalandshow.com. I'd like to welcome onto the show Chris DeMello. He will be helping me make Canada Land. Welcome aboard, Chris. We will have the next program up for you on Monday. Visit audibletrial.com slash canadaland for your free audiobook right now. If you like this show, recommend it. 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.